This is the part of the show that you usually hear a drop of someone saying how much they don't listen to the show. However, we're going to use this as a call to action. So if you go to the Facebook page, you will find a link to a study, the Implicit Association Test. I'm not going to say too much about it because I don't want to bias or influence your answers in any way. And you can read what it's about on the, the first page before you take it. Go take it. Share your results with us if you feel comfortable doing that. And we will be talking about our results and then also some Pew Research on it on the next episode. So do that. All right. On with the show. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Who would have thought? Episode 151 of I Doubt It with Dalamore, your twice weekly source for news and ridiculous comment. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore, and sitting across from me, my lovely and intelligent co host who loves to laugh, Brittany Page. Here I am. <laughs> just finished my yawn you love to laugh do you not i usually yes well the the thing that i'm directly referencing right now mm-hmm. is this week you've had a good time <laughs> with you with not youtube <laughs> but uh, with facebook uh-huh. and a particular video mm-hmm. <laughs> that has brought you an immense amount of joy and this time the video was not partridge family related <laughs> That is true. So there's more a, contemporary. Th- yeah, a little bit more contemporary. Still, probably twenty years old. Okay. There's a video out there right now that that involves Mariah Carey and a young deer <laughs> who, for some reason, is screaming for its life. And I think the premise of the video. What's the what 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 are the words on the screen while the video plays? Something about. When you're in your car trying to sing, trying to hit those Mariah Carey notes. Exactly. So that's kind of what it's getting at. I guess playing it will really explain to the audience just what it is that makes you laugh. You can't even contain oh yourself God. now. It, it will never stop being funny. I don't know why... <laughs> It really is. It really is pretty funny. Because anyone who has tried to sing along with Mariah Carey (laughs) knows that when it gets to those points where it's just, you know, window shattering, high pitch. Oh, yeah. Out of control. You just stop singing or you sound like that. (laughs) (laughs) It is... It's just so true. Well, it's also very alarming that that is the actual sound that comes out of a deer. <laughs> Louis C.K. It is kind of scary. Louis C.K. has a whole bit about people just think, oh, it's a, it's a little deer. and Oh, they're so peaceful. And, uh, and no. 
<laughs> That's how they sound. Well, we watched a video on YouTube one time of a deer fighting some other animal. Oh, we, I went on a on a crazy binge of watching deer killing people's dogs. Don't say that. Going, that sounds weird. Like just stomping on them to death. There's some mean ass videos out there. If you search deer kills blah blah blah, deer kills dog. Holy shit! What you're a in for weirdo. a treat. You are. You a weirdo. are in for a treat. It, deers are apparently not the peaceful forest creatures that we once thought. <laughs> Don't say that people are in for a treat watching these videos of them stomping animals. Okay. All, all I hear when you're talking right now is. <laughs> <laughs> but we were watching this video where a deer was fighting some animal, and you kept telling me that's the deer screaming, and I said no, that's oh, the human yeah. screaming, right? and. You said, why do they sound like that? And I said, I don't know. They're probably just afraid. <laughs> and I was, throughout the entire video, I maintained that it had to be the human. There was no way it was the deer. But now I've realized that they make those freaky sounds. Yeah, well, I grew up, I grew up, obviously, in northern Idaho. And I grew up hunting and, you know, fishing and doing the outdoorsy kind of th- stuff. Well, and the deer just walk through the town where you're from. That is actually true. You just see them walking through the town. Yes. Well, I've seen deer walking through Boise. There have been times where a deer gets discombobulated and there's like fucking deer downtown Boise. Mm-hmm. I've never under... But we, we listen, we live in a very urban area and we've got... <laughs> we almost ran over a, a possum the other night. Yeah, we're discovering that we live in a forest. Yeah, rac- the, that fat ass raccoon that was sitting down in the driveway. Yeah, and now a possum. no concern... The fact that I was walking down to my car, he he must have been drunk. <laughs> I mean, really. Or he was playing like he... <laughs> or like he was acting like he was cool with you just to lure you closer to That's him. That's right. And then he was going to claw your face. I'm sure that Bren Flanagan would have something to say. She would agree. About that. With me. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, we'll leave you and move on with the show. But uh, one more time... You ruin it with your with your cackling laughter. It's so good. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, at the start of the show, we try to include communication from our lovely and loyal audience, and this episode is no different. We received a voicemail from a repeat caller now, uh, Kevin, and he took issue with something I said relative to Bernie Sanders and ISIL. Hey, uh, Jesse and Brittany, this is Kevin from San Antonio, Texas again. I'm um, the one that called about uh, the films. And I, I saw Weed Boy here recently. And, yeah, it wasn't that good, but it wasn't horrible either. I'm glad Birdman won. That was a masterpiece. But anyways, my, I wanted to call because I wanted to reference uh, Jesse's uh, point about foreign policy. And then he was, like, referencing an attack on Sanders. Not an attack, but a criticism. Um, I just wanted to say, like, I don't think it's as easy as just having boots on the ground. Like, our history in the Middle East has been very volatile. I mean, we gave weapons to the Mujahideen during the Soviet-Afghan War, and then that turned into Al-Qaeda, and then we invaded Iraq for no reason, and then that turned into um, ISIL. So I think that what we need to do is we need to attack, number one, the radical Islam ideology. Number two, we need I think we do need some more military force, but I also think we need more military support. For my allies in the Middle East. I think they're playing too many diplomatic games. Um, so this, that's just my two cents. Oh, and uh, 
atheists who uh, don't want to conflate the religion with uh, radicalism, but then criticize Christianity because of homosexuals uh, or homosexuality, I think they're being hypocrites. Um, that's all. Thank you. Bye. Well, I agree with Kevin, and I also disagree with L- Kevin. A little mix of both. Little little mix of both. Also, thank you, Kevin, for the call. Absolutely. We always love hearing from, from all of y'all. He's from Texas, so oh, okay. it's he- kind of the obligatory, the, 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 the language that he speaks down there. Yeah, he didn't sound like he was from <laughs> Texas, but... Well, first of all, you say that it's not so easy... As boots on the ground, and I don't know that I've ever intimated that it's any easy solution where it relates to dealing with ISIL. It is a soon becoming a, a global problem. The influence of ISIL has has spread, as we've seen, into France, into even the United States, relative to these ISIS, ISIL-inspired attacks that we've seen. Well, I think also when people talk about boots on the ground, it's kind of a last resort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, what I've said in the past is that air power alone is not going to cut it. That no war, no conflict has ever been won out of hand with only air power. That's just the way it is. I'm not saying that boots on the ground, that American boots on the ground are going to get the job done. And it's just as easy as that. I'm not saying that. It's going to be complex. There are, there are socio-political issues at stake and at, that will come to bear that we'll have to ad- address. But uh, I believe ultimately boots on the ground are absolutely going to be, have to be had. And this is a position that I've held for about a year now. I mean, as long as we've been dealing with this ISIS problem, it has been. So um, I, 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 maybe you misheard or maybe you're hearing what you, you want to hear. I don't know, but I think I've been very clear. It's not simple, but we're going to need the boots on the ground. The other thing that I think is awesome and insightful and very wise of you that I don't know that I've actually put together are liberals like Glenn Greenwald Liberals like C.J. Werleman, who don't, liberals like Reza Aslan, who don't want to assign any blame to Islam for the, the, the uptick in violence and terrorism and Islamism, radical Islamism. They don't want to have any connection between that and the religion of Islam. But those same liberals will metaphorically crucify Christianity, no pun intended, pun intended. <laughs> they will crucify Christianity related to their their stance on Christian on on uh, homosexuality and gay marriage. And you cannot you you can't hold one position that is so out of whack and, and then do the other thing. Well, Reza Aslan says something like the beliefs don't come from the religion or the beliefs don't come from the doctrine, that people bring their own beliefs in and that influences the religion. <laughs> he, that's not an exact quote, but he says yeah, something well, like that. He's, he's clearly dumb. And if he's if he's making that claim about Islam, then he also needs to make that claim about Christianity. Right. Well, they're not getting that idea 
from the Bible. It's just that some people are bringing the homosexuality issue into Christianity. It's their own belief. They're just bringing it to the religion. Right. Now, does that argument make sense when you put it in, in those terms? Of course not. Well, like Kevin is saying, it should go the same way for all the different faiths. Absolutely. So anyway, again, Kevin, thank you very much for agreeing with me so wholeheartedly. That is what I like for my <laughs> audience is blind, loyal agreeance. <laughs> Are you talking about how he didn't like boyhood? No, he said it was okay, but he was really happy that Birdman won because it was a masterpiece. I also like how he's calling in to talk about the Oscar winners for last year. <laughs> we are almost, I mean, when do the Oscars right. come on for this year? Yeah, you know you can call more than once a year, Kevin. <laughs> if you have something to say, even if it's as trivial as a movie, we'll, uh, we'll address it. You know that. We're not above the little stuff, clearly. <laughs> All right, well, we've been promising Mark, he emailed us, and we've been promising him, and by we, I mean me, that I was going to get to his email, that I just, so much stuff has been going on, and we've had guests in studio, and, you know, generally, I'm a lazy turd. So, we're going to get to that. His email was related to how the flat tax proposals that have been talked about will kind of kill his income. He is a long road, long haul trucker, and all the different deductions that he's able to do now will be eliminated, which will cause him to make like one third the ultimate money that he actually makes now. Am I am I summing that up pretty well? Or Yeah, and it is a very long email, so I'm going to read some of it, but I won't read all of it. So don't get angry, Mark, if I don't read things that you thought were important for me to read. Right. Uh, well, he, I don't think anybody would get angry at Brittany Page. It would certainly be, well, maybe you would have had time to read the whole email three weeks ago when I sent it, but right. Jesse is a lazy, dirty turd who did not get to it. So now we're only going to get to a paragraph. <laughs> also, I'm sure there are many reasons to be angry with me. The main one being my cackling. <laughs> okay, so Mark says, flat tax... Oh, that is never going to get old. I am starting Mark's email. Flat tax wouldn't really work for my industry. I guess it depends on how much the flat tax was before deductions. I rely on my deductions. I am an over-the-road trucker, and everywhere I look, we are considered one of the most dangerous jobs in the country. That being said, I do get paid pretty well. I have my own truck, and for this example, I will be simplifying my numbers. Last year, I made around 300 k 100 k of it alone went to just fuel. About 75 k went towards my truck payments, insurance, stuff like the satellite system, and all the maintenance on my truck. That left me with 125 k to myself. And then he goes on to say he has to pay, you know, $13 for a shower. He does his laundry on the road. He has to shop at truck stops because he's traveling so much. Right, which is like convenience store prices. Right. And it's a battery that would cost you $1.50 or $2 is going to cost you like $6 at a, at a truck stop. Right. And then he works 12 to 14 hours per day on average. His schedule always changes. He uh, gets a 30 minute break during his drive time, then 10 hours for sleep and shower and food. That 30 minutes makes it hard for him to. I'm, I'm disappointed right now. I wish I would have queued up like violin music, like, yeah, like sad, sad, crimey river music. 
how dare you? How dare you? I'm just fucking kidding. He put kidding. a lot of detail and time into Calm this. Calm down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So it's only funny with the whole clip. It's not funny with just that. Okay. It's still funny. My industry has a special per diem of $60 per day. It goes up depending on location. States like the East Coast, which is where I usually am in California, are worth more. I think California is 82 per day, but the basic is 60 if you don't track your states as that is the lowest one, somewhere like Idaho. Thank you for referencing Idaho, Mark. <laughs> so he lists some things that he has to pay for, and he says this all leads to around 25K in deductions. This means I am taxed for 100K, not too bad. Um, I will just say it is the 25% bracket for simplicity's sake. This puts me at 75K earned. Now, I'm not sure what the flat tax would be, but if it's something like 15%, I lose a lot of money. My 300K would become 255K, then 100K for fuel, 75K for truck payments and insurance. Now I'm at 80K. All the going out to eat, doing laundry, parking, and just general stuff on the road would cost another 25 to 30K per year, leading to an actual income of 50 to 55K. It would be much lower if the flat tax went up to, let's say, 25% then I would be basically making around 25 to 30K for having one of the most dangerous jobs in the country and for working 70-ish hours per week. And obviously that income, as you can see, was cut tremendously. Right. The flat tax, and I'm going to read here from Forbes, flat tax is exactly what it sounds like. A consistent tax rate applied to all tax brackets. A true flat tax would mean, as Dr. Carson explained that everyone would pay the same tax rate regardless of income. He suggested a 10% since he works. It that works for God. Goddamn. Even Forbes. Uh, the flat taxes are usually imposed on wages only, meaning that there's no tax on capital gains or investments. Russia is considered to be the world's largest economy with a flat tax, and some of the Baltic states also have a flat tax, for your information. So... It says that people like a flat tax because it feels more fair. Everyone pays the same percentage uh, of tax all the way across the board. Uh, it's more simple, and that should mean just by its simplicity that it would be less for taxpayers to have to do for returns and their taxes. Some suggest that it would completely eliminate the need for the IRS, which, you know, who, who, would, who would argue with that? Flat taxes are also supported in the business and investment communities, since dividends, distributions, capital gains, and other income not tied to wages are generally exempt from this tax. So they think that would it, it would spur investments and savings. So, so, so let me say this. Now that we've kind of established kind of what it is. And this might, might serve you well now to do it now before we even have any kind of talk about a flat tax. Which won't come, listen, to... to that kind of upheaval to get rid of the IRS and institute some kind of a different taxation system in our country right now, it's not going to happen, man. You don't have <laughs> you have nothing to be afraid of. Well, and right now we have the progressive income tax. Right, right. A progressive income tax is exactly what it sounds like. The rate of tax increases as income, however measured, increases. Technically, you can create a progressive income tax system even when stated tax rates remain flat by using personal exemptions, tax credits, and tax deductions to alter the effective tax rate. Here's, here's the deal, though. I think that what would serve you well, and obviously you're going to want to talk to an attorney or an accountant, but you should probably incorporate. You should be having a business 
that uh, pays you, and you can be the, the business president, but I think you need, whether it be an LLC, Limited Liability Corporation, and clearly I am not giving legal advice <laughs> on the show. Let's hope not. So when you go do something and then it goes south, you're going to don't come looking to me for some kind of uh, compensation for your, for your, for your troubles because uh, that's not going to happen. But I think if you do were to incorporate, you'd be able to do some of these deductions that even if we had a flat tax, you wouldn't be on the hook for because the business would be paying those expenses and paying your salary. So maybe you should look into that. Well, he also writes about the message that was in that movie, Income Inequality. What was that movie called? Oh, with Robert Reich? Yeah. Yeah. And talks about how, you know, Warren Buffett says that he paid a lower tax percentage than his secretary. Right. And those sorts of things end up happening within our current tax system. That's right. Because of the the different levels of taxation um, with like uh, capital gains and income from dividends, they tax that differently than wage, than income from wage. Right. So Mark ends his email by saying, this has been a long email, but I appreciate you taking the time to read. I think this stuff is important and I would like to know what you two think. Time to S your D's now. (laughs) You have brought me a lot of joy listening to you. As I said earlier, I drive 12 to 14 hours per day. So I listen to a lot of podcasts and shit. And you are the, he put that in there just so I would cuss (laughs) because I only cuss when I'm reading. And you are the only ones with two episodes per week. Now, if Jesse could stop getting sick all the time. Listen, God damn it. We, we've started this this false public information campaign that Brittany has started. We're, we're, we're rolling with it here that I'm sick all the time. We've only missed like three shows. And he sent us a photo of himself and his dog, Kumi. Yeah, his little, uh, his little like Pomeranian, yes. little cute little dog. Yes, very yeah. cute, and we love the picture. And... I can imagine. I mean, that's a that would be a tough job. Oh, for sure. You know, on the road all the time, not having having a dog would be the ideal situation. Well, people are not nice to truckers. Like they don't no. let them in when they have their. I am very gracious to truckers <laughs> on the. I am. You know, I am. Yeah, I'm just laughing because it sounded like you were being a filthy liar. <laughs> And just saying that for that Mark's not benefit, true. but I you're get, not. I get angry on the road. I mean, because people are dicks to me. I try to, you know, pass, pay it forward. Yes. The niceness, yes. not the shittiness. Mm-hmm. So we appreciate you. Listen, as loyal as you are, message us on the Facebook page. Send us somewhere we can send you some stickers, man. Yes, for sure. And we will send you the official I Doubt It with Dollamore trying to schlep free advertisement out of our listeners. We'll send you some stickers. Well, and hopefully we have answered his email to his satisfaction. Well, I get, maybe not. Maybe I should say this. I, I am for some kind of of comprehensive uh, alteration of our tax plan. I think it needs to be done. I think our tax system is too progressive. I am opposed to 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 applying some higher percentage rate to the rich. Generally, I'm still open to being convinced of it. But I've said it on the show before, I don't believe that just because you make a million dollars a year, they should tax you at 50. But if you make $50,000 a year, you get taxed at 28%. I, I don't think it should go, it should be that crazy because of equal protection 
under our con- under the law, you know what I mean? Right, and it sounds like uh, Dr. Ben Carson is really marketing this flat tax idea, and he said that he suggests ten percent, since quote that works for God. Right, he's like I said, simple answers for a simple man. So I hope that I hope that helps out. If we didn't, you write us another email or call into the voicemail line because I'm sure you have a cell phone six five seven. 464-7609. We always appreciate communication with our audience a lot. We appreciate it very much. So our one and only piece of follow-up this episode is about Josh Duggar and Ashley Madison and the fallout from that. A woman in Georgia named Jessica Kirkland wrote a blog or wrote a... Everybody's calling it a fucking blog. She wrote a Facebook comment that went viral... And I thought it was super interesting. I caught up with Jessica Kirkland just before her CNN interview after negotiations with a t-shirt company and in the midst of a tsunami of social media support. This weekend, Josh Duggar filled headlines. Former reality TV star, former conservative lobbyist, was now an accused molester, admitted Ashley Madison client, confessed cheater. But Jessica's mind was on his wife, Anna. I was very angry about the situation that this woman has found herself in through absolutely no fault of her own. The Georgia Southern graduate and mom of two almost didn't click enter, and then she did. We have to teach our daughters that they are not beholden to men like this, that they don't have to marry a man their father deems acceptable, and then stay married to that man long, long after he proves himself unacceptable, she wrote. And then that final line, as for my girls, I'll raise them to think they breathe fire. It inspired memes, hashtags, a quarter of a million shares and likes. All of it a bit of a surprise to this fire-breathing mom. Either they'll get it or they won't, but I, I kind of felt it needed to be said. A company reached out to Jessica wanting to make Breathe Fire t-shirts. Proceeds will go to a nonprofit that supports women. They should be on sale by the end of the week. As soon as that happens, we'll provide the link on 11live.com. I suggest you click quickly. They will likely sell out. So I just want to read another part of this post that went viral. Good. I was I was going to ask, do we have the blog post or the Facebook post? Because that's not enough. Just the one little blurb. So she wrote, Anna Duggar, Anna Duggar was taught that her sole purpose in life, the most meaningful thing she could do, was to be chaste and proper, a devout wife, and a mother. Anna Duggar did that. Anna Duggar followed the rules that were imposed on her from the get-go. While she was fulfilling her duty of providing him four children and raising them, she lived up to the standard that men set for her of being chaste and godly. And in return, the man who demanded this of her sought women who were exactly the opposite. Wow. Be this, they told her. She was. It wasn't enough. And then it goes on to, we have to teach our daughters that they are not beholden to men like this, what they read in the clip, oh, yeah. that they don't need to stay married to this man long after he has proved himself unacceptable just because the father says that he is acceptable. Really good. I mean, really, it's a, it's one of those like, yeah, no shit, but it, it, it sometimes those things need to be said to be brought back into the forefront to understand that we do need to teach our daughters, our collective daughters, that they are worth something more than being beholden to a man. And I, li- I like the turn of phrase, teach them that they breathe fire. It's awesome. It really is. And there have been a, a bunch of memes with like uh, the Game of Thrones character. What's her name? 
the dragon mom the dragon lady yeah the, the, a whole bunch of them could i'm 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 exposing my non nerdiness right now by not knowing all the characters names so anyway, even this article calls her the mother of dragons so they don't know either <laughs> <laughs> anyway um i think it's awesome and i wish that there were more women out there who were vocal more vocal i know there's millions of women out there who believe this and feel this way but there needs to be a groundswell of support for this kind of thought and you know the other point that i find very interesting is in the wake of this entire ashley madison thing that you know who didn't have an ashley madison account anna duggar mm-hmm like she said, she did fulfill her role. She did live up to her duty. And Josh Duggar spat in her face while acting high and righteous and mighty and the spiritual head of the household like Paul talks about in the New Testament. It's disgusting. All right, moving on. Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode, as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dolomore. All right, let's get to the politics. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. There is more and more talk this week that President, that, scratch that, Vice President Joe Biden is still considering running for president. Right. Joe Biden is, quote, increasingly leaning toward entering the race for president, according to a report from The Wall Street Journal. The disclaimer, he will do so only if he can, quote, knit together a competitive campaign at this late date. That's a big if, according to 538, but the details are sort of beside the point. History suggests that it will be difficult for Biden to mount a successful campaign if he does enter the race this late. Of course, the Biden people know that and are apparently not quite ready to make a decision. Maybe they want to see if Hillary Clinton's stumble worsens. The solution, stall. Put one foot in the race, get the media talking <laughs> about your running, meet with big-time Democrats to generate buzz, and plan future get-togethers. Provide lots of tea leaves for the press to inspect, according to 538. Well, he's no, he's no rookie in this area. He's run for president many times. My guess would be he's not going to run. If I had to guess, just based on the fact that if he's going to run, it's, or if he's going to announce, it's probably going to be you know the very end of, of September, the beginning of, of November or October. It's like I don't know my months. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I just don't think there's enough time to raise the hundreds of millions of dollars that are e effectively going to be needed in a general election campaign. Well, 538 says no nominee besides Bill Clinton when he ran in the 1992 cycle filed with the Federal Elections Commission or formally declared their candidacy fewer than 248 days before the Iowa caucuses. 
Well, and and that well, that's the thing is Bill Clinton is a completely unique flavor of politician. He is unto himself. He's in a category by himself. He's no one knew who the hell he was when he came out. He was the lo- youngest governor in the history of Arkansas, but that's Arkansas. It's a, you know, it's no one knew who he was. So I was going to ask on your batting average in terms of guessing when people or if they're going to run, because Mm. you also said that Donald Trump wouldn't run. And yes, I agreed with you, but that's why I'm reserving agreeing (laughs) with you right now, because apparently you're wrong about these things. Yeah, well, Donald Trump is also an anomaly. So and I don't feel bad about being wrong about that because fucking everybody was wrong about that. Okay, that is true. Oh, see, I'm right is what you're saying. But what about that is true means Jesse, you're right. But what if Hillary Clinton does this situation gets worse and she ends up dropping out? She's not going to drop out. If she ends up being forced out. How under what circumstance would she be forced out? You're not allowed to run for president anymore. I mean, how would that happen? It's she's in. Clinton is too arrogant to drop out. Her she just doesn't show her arrogance like a guy like Donald Trump does. She's more calculating <laughs> about it. Uh, but it, you know, let's say she's indicted or some crazy shit happens. The Democrats are definitely going to need a candidate, and in that case, I could see Joe Biden coming in. But I think if she was to leave the race, there would be a bevy. Of 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 stand-in candidates who would who would arise. So we'll see. So moving on to the man of the hour, the guy who can't go five minutes without attention, Donald Trump. He's gotten some very notable endorsements over the last couple of days from the white nationalists and David Duke, aka racists organized white supremacists have come out in support of Donald Trump so if you know somebody who's a Donald Trump supporter you might want to say hey listen you're in league (laughs) with assholes like that if you're supporting Donald Trump that should give anybody of any any conscience some pause right well, I don't know about that because actually those organizations tend to be conservative. And if you were to go back in history and look at the various elections to see who they have supported over the years, I'm sure that they have supported whoever the conservative candidate was. I mean, I know that Pat Buchanan was a favorite in those circles in the past. Yeah. And he is a conservative. Yeah. So they tend, I mean, they don't favor he, the liberals, he's right? He's a different kind of conservative, though. He's more of an isolationist than a we. He's a weirdo. Mm-hmm. He's a weirdo. He's a fringe candidate. Well, I mean, in terms... Pat, Pat Buchanan was never the lead, the leading candidate in the conservative uh, arena. Of course. So let's focus a little bit on David Duke. David Duke is the former Grand Wizard of the Louisiana chapter or branch. I don't know what they're their corporate structure is, <laughs> but of the Ku Klux Klan. This is an interview with David Duke from many years ago explaining what his beliefs are. Just to reiterate, David Duke has endorsed Donald Trump and his candidacy for President of the United States. 
My title is I'm the National Information Director for the Klan, and I'm the uh, Grand Dragon of Louisiana. Of what we call? The Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. Why would you want the title? Why would you want to be part of the KKK? Because I feel like the uh, Klan is an organization which is fighting for the ideals of Western Christian civilization, for the, uh, for the good things of society. And I feel like that the white people of this country uh, need an organization that's, that's going to work for their interests and that is proud of their heritage and are willing to fight to secure that uh, interest. So that's a guy who's on Donald Trump's team. The interview went on. It's, it's, uh, it's many, many minutes long. And it went on after a commercial break. And he got into a little bit more detail. David Duke is on the line. Grand Wizard of the KKK. Um, Mr. Duke, those very initials. Louisiana. Pardon? It's Grand Dragon. Grand, the Grand Dragon. Right, and it's Denham Springs. Denham Springs, Louisiana. <laughs> I'm full of information. Um, Mr. Duke... What do the titles mean, and what does the KKK mean? Well, uh, a lot of people uh, in this country have very little understanding of the Klan. Um, the Klan comes from the word uh, kuklos, mm -hmm. which means circle, a Greek word. And, uh, and this is basically what the Klan is. It's a circle or a band. Our symbol is what we call the cross wheel, which is a uh, cross in a circle, representing the wheel of creative man, uh, the cross of the West, the West's uh, religion, Christianity. Mm -hmm. And um, some people even said the, the uh, hair is on a telescopic sight. The hair on a telescopic sight? Well, the hair is it's a, it's a cross in a circle. <laughs> uh, yes, you've been known for burning and for shooting. And if the rumors about the KKK are inaccurate, if they are, then why in heaven's name would you wish to append to your name wish to be associated with something which has such a horrendous image, not just in this country, but in the world. The image you have based upon the history of your organization. Well, it, the image the media has, has uh, put out about us is one that uh, lynches a Negro every other week uh, for recreation. And this isn't true. I won't deny the fact that uh, the Klan has uh, used a violent means in the past to protect our people. But I feel that the right of a people to their own survival and to their own protection is a right guaranteed by the uh, uh, Declaration of Independence, in fact, and, uh, and, and many of the documents and everything that founded this country. So this asshole ran for president in 1992. Clearly, he wasn't the victor. Well, you can tell, I mean, his above-average intelligence is on display, right. right? They believe they have the above-average intelligence clearly, right. clearly conveyed right, in right, the interview. Right, and when, when, you, when you question him, when he is questioned about his prior involvement with the Ku Klux Klan, he goes, well, you know, that was a lot of years ago, and I'm not involved in that anymore. He never, never renounces what they do. He never renounces their racist stances. He just says, well, that was a long time ago. So if you know someone or if you out there are someone who supports the candidacy of Donald Trump, these are the people who you're arm in arm with. 
so, in, in supporting Donald Trump. So Trump told Bloomberg TV of David Duke's praise. I don't need his endorsement. I certainly wouldn't want his endorsement. I don't need anybody's endorsement. Oh, of course, don't. just like Donald yeah. Trump would. Yeah. Although he also told Bloomberg on Wednesday that he didn't know anything about Duke. In 2000, Trump even cited Duke as a reason he would not run as the Reform Party candidate. Quote, the Reform Party now includes a Klansman, Mr. Duke, a neo-Nazi, Mr. Buchanan, and a communist. He said at the time, this is not the company I wish to keep. So he's saying he doesn't know anything about him, but... But he knows all kinds of stuff. Right. <laughs> So regardless of what Trump wants, according to BuzzFeed, at least eight top figures in the marginalized white nationalist movement said in recent posts, podcasts and interviews with BuzzFeed News that they want Trump. Visitors to the website for the Council of Conservative Citizens, a white nationalist group cited by Charleston church shooter Dylan Roof, will find a steady stream of pro-Trump articles. Quote, Trump surge continues. Trump's Nationalist Coalition, Jorge Ramos deported from Trump press conference, reads the front page of the site. Jared Taylor, who runs the site American Renaissance, which argues, quote, that one of the most destructive myths of modern times is that people of all races have the same average intelligence, is an avid supporter of the Donald. In a recent post, Taylor contended, quote, if Mr. Trump loses, this could be the last chance whites have to vote for a president who could actually do something useful for them and for their country. That's a guy I would love to have on the show. A guy who proclaims that there is a difference of intelligence in the races. That's a guy I really want to try to get on. Not only that, someone who believes that that something useful needs to be done for them as a white man. Right. What, what are you uh, What are you talking about there, sir? You know what's pretty useful is your white skin in a white society, dickhole. Because let me tell you, it's been pretty useful to me. Well, you, you have privilege that other people don't have. Here's what's weird also about this this whole thing that they're hung up on in believing that white people have an above average intelligence. One, no. And and two, <laughs> yeah, no shit. Two is, you know, when you see pictures, there's often been reporting done on these circles, right, of these people that are in the KKK. And I remember one in particular, there was like a photojournalist, I think it was in time, maybe a couple years ago, they did a project and they went into some city in the south and photographed members of the KKK and these people were living <laughs> these people were living in like their garages and like yeah. you know torn up houses I mean it wasn't a good situation well they were living in what appeared to be impoverished environments and these aren't people that are you know highly educated yeah, they're, not, they're, they're not titans of industry and, and so what's confusing is that they somehow believe they're so much better than barack obama right? because of the color of his skin right and yeah. it's it's just so confusing to me well, it doesn't be, make any sense be, well that's stupid people don't make sense they're not smart they don't make cogent arguments. <laughs> Note that guy's name because I want him on the show, the Taylor guy. I really want to reach out. Jared Taylor. Jared Taylor. If somebody knows Jared Taylor, <laughs> please, please reach out to him. Oh, God. I really want the. I really, I want to talk to him. So kind of related to this is Trump today, today is Wednesday, Trump gave a speech in Iowa on the stump. 
And all kinds of stuff went on with a, a fusion reporter, which is owned by uh, Univision. And he was thrown out and then brought back in. All this bullshit happened. And I'm not really going to address that. But I'm going to address something that was said during the speech of Donald Trump. And this weird thing that's happening with evangelical voters, with these fundamentalist Christian voters who are seemingly super excited about the Trump candidacy. Well, this is what happened during his speech today. But free trade's only good if you have smart representatives. It's not good if we have dummies. It's not good if our leaders are incompetent. It's not good when they've never read The Art of the Deal, one of the great books of all time. Second to the Bible, but that's okay. Way, way, way deep second. You right. know how far below it is? Oh, my God. Somebody held up the book the other day. I said, that's my favorite book of all time. I said, no, 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 let me change it. It's my second favorite book. They said, what's your favorite? I said, the Bible. It's not even close. People were shocked. They were, they were shocked that I actually said that. But it is the greatest book of all time, the Bible. Nothing even close. So... Was he even conscious during that? Yeah. I mean, did he, he just, like black out? He just goes on these weird stream of consciousness tirades. But this is clearly Donald Trump pandering to the Christian voter in Iowa. The Christian conservative voter in Iowa. I mean, is is it just me? Or is he... Just, just s in their dirty <laughs> Christian D. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> Normally that would be edited out, but since crickets got put in, nope. Well, here's the other thing: is today he was on with Hugh Hewitt, who is a conservative radio host, and this went down. Do you think today the Gospels have any role in shaping public policy? You said you're doing very well with the evangelicals. Well, the evangelicals, sort of interesting. I mean, I am a religious person. I would say not formally like some might be, you know, like some would talk about it. But I am, you know, somebody that believes and I I am... It, it's very interesting because I noticed that the polls came out, the one in New Hampshire, public policy polling, where it said 35%, and it, it sort of said it leads across with Tea Party, with evangelicals, with uh, moderates, with just about everything. They even said with Democrats. I mean, just leads straight across the board. And I think a lot of people were surprised. They thought it would be very conservative, and, and which I lead big in the very conservative, but I leave straight across. And one of the things that made me very happy was that I actually lead, and you've seen this even in Iowa, where I lead with evangelicals. And I was so happy to see that because do you I think, think they expect really you me, to but I don't think people see that as me but do you do you do you think the gospels have some way of informing your public policy choices or is that just a different category I don't know I think that maybe so you know down deep maybe they do I I think what's happening in the country it, where where it just seems that you know the word Christmas is being taken out I see these stores like Macy's and so many other they're afraid to use the word Christmas now they maybe they can't use it legally what's going on is outrageous and I would try and I not only try I will do things about it you're gonna have to go through court systems that's the problem I mean you have to go through actually courts now to use uh, use use names that you should be able to use automatically but uh, you know the the whole thing is changing you so much toward religion 
and what you can say and what you can't say and what you can put up in a beautiful public area where for years you'd have uh, the manger and you'd have, you know, Mary and Jesus, and now you're not allowed to do it. And well, now in Denver, I'm on the campus of Colorado Christian College today, and Denver, where we're close to, their city councils have said Chick-fil-A, maybe they can't build at the Denver International Airport because their founders are evangelical and have traditional marriage wow. views. It's blatantly wow. unconstitutional. Have you heard that story yet? I haven't heard it, but it's, it doesn't surprise me. It's horrible. What's going on is horrible. I mean, you can't, you can't, do, you can't do anything having to do with really deep-seated, incredible beliefs that really, to a large extent, made our country great. You know, these, these, the, the beliefs and the Bible had a lot to do with our country. And every, every I mean, a, a week doesn't go by where there's not some negative ruling on something having to do with Christianity. It's getting, I think it's, I think it's outrageous. And, All right, look, let and me I, get a I'll couple of... What, I'll be fighting on the other side much stronger than anybody else that you have up there fighting, because I think All it's right. really outrageous. He doesn't say anything other than buzzwords that Christians really want to hear. The war on Christmas. Oh, you, they're, they're taking away people's ability to say Christmas. That's, that resonates with Christians. So he's clearly pandering. He doesn't know anything about the Bible. When asked if, if, if the gospel will guide his public policy... He skirts the question. Earlier, not today, but a couple months ago, he was asked by a a Christian broadcast network, which is the network founded by Pat Robertson. And he was on a show and he was asked a bunch of questions about exactly what kind of Christian he is and with what frequency he goes to church. Do you actively go to church, or is that something that is more just when, when you can? Right. Well, I go as much as I can, always on Christmas, always on Easter, <laughs> uh, always when there's right. a major occasion, <laughs> and during the during the Sundays. I'm a Sunday church person. I'll go when I can. Mm-hmm. The Bibles. I understand a lot of people send you Bibles. Is that true? Well, I get sent Bibles by a lot of people. Where yes. are all those Bibles anyhow lot. now? <laughs> well, actually, we, we keep them in a certain place, a very very nice place but people send me bibles <laughs> and you know it's very interesting i get so much mail and because like you know i'm in this incredible location in manhattan you can't keep most of the mail you get there's no way i would ever do anything to do negative to a bible so what we do is we keep all of the bibles we just i would have a fear of of doing something other than very positive. So actually, I store them what? and keep them and sometimes give them away to other people. But I do get sent a lot of Bibles. Very interesting. And I like that. I think that's great. I wouldn't want to do anything negative to a Bible. Like accidentally put it somewhere where he could use the bathroom? Or <laughs> what is he talking? And is it on a mantle? Like they're all stacked? Where is the nice place? I don't know. And how is this person responding to what he just said by saying that's interesting? He gave a non... You ha- you got no information right. from what he said. How is it interesting? Oh, I think he's just so happy he got an interview with Donald Trump, the CBN reporter. It's it's crazy. He said, hmm, that's interesting. What? what? So the coup de grace here is something I think we played on the show before. And it was asked by Frank Luntz, the pollster who has since been disavowed by Donald Trump. 
calling him a slob and all the other names he typically calls people. And he was asked this on stage about whether or not he has ever asked God for forgiveness. So we've got people lined up for questions. I just got one more, because you used the word Christian. Have you ever asked God for forgiveness? That's a tough question. I, I don't think in terms of, I have, I'm, I'm a religious person. Shockingly, because people are so shocked when they find this out. Uh, I'm Protestant, I'm Presbyterian. And I go to church and I love God and I love my church. And Norman Vincent Peale, the great Norman Vincent Peale was my pastor. The power of positive thinking. Everybody's heard of Norman Vincent Peale. He was so great. He would give a sermon you never wanted to leave. Sometimes we have sermons and every once in a while we think about leaving a little early, right? Even though we're Christian. <laughs> Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, Frank, would give a, survey, would give a sermon. I'm telling you, I still remember his sermons. It was unbelievable. And what he would do is he'd bring real-life situations, modern-day situations, into the sermon. Oh, like and all pastors? And you could listen to him all day. Right, long. right. When you left the church, you were disappointed that it was over. He was the greatest guy. And then, you know, he passed away, but he was a great... The, the, he wrote The Power of Positive Thinking, which is but, a great book. But have you ever asked God for forgiveness? <laughs> Tried to get out of it and got asked again. I'm not sure I have. I just go and try and do a better job from there. I don't think so. I think I, if, I, if I do something wrong, I think I just try and make it right. I don't bring God into that picture. I don't. Now, when I take, you know, when we go in church and, and when I drink my little wine, which is about the only wine I drink, and have my little he cracker, I guess that's the a blood form of, Jesus. of asking right. for a forgiveness. A sacred and communion. I do that as often as possible because I feel cleansed, okay? But, uh, you know, to me, that's important. I do that. But in terms of officially, I, should, I see, I could say absolutely, and everybody, I don't think in terms of that. So what is happening? What is happening with with these Christians who are allowing this to go on and supporting Donald Trump in droves. It goes with what I've talked about with my own experience, with my own my own family, my own close-knit group of, of Christians with whom I still have some, some, some tie. That when Mitt Romney ran for president... He was widely supported by evangelicals, even though the majority of evangelicals believe that he is a member of a cult, uh, of this religion that has been formed by the devil to take down the real church of Jesus. And they supported him. So clearly either they don't care about their faith or politics is more important than their faith. I don't know. I, I, I would, listen, if you have an opinion on this, <laughs> I really want to have a conversation about this. 657-464-7609. If you are voicemail averse, of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. The other thing, and then we'll wrap it up about Trump, is the Megyn Kelly thing is back. The fire has been rekindled. The fight has been restarted. She got back from her 10-day scheduled vacation, and the very first night, he spent the evening, late into the evening hours, tweeting about what a bimbo 
she is and how terrible she was on her show. Donald Trump tweeted, Megyn Kelly must have had a terrible vacation. She is really off her game. Was afraid to confess was afraid to confront Dr. Cornell West. No clue on immigration. I liked the Kelly file much better without Megyn Kelly. Perhaps she could take another 11-day unscheduled vacation. Then he retweeted a tweet that said, The bimbo is back in town. Uh. I hope not for long. And then also retweeted, She has come back looking like Nancy Grace. Yes. Goddamn. So again calling her a bimbo, and then talking about her looks. He's just a worthless, stupid, sexist fuck. I mean, is that... The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Sorry. At least I didn't call him the C-word. Sometimes you, you really don't like. Yeah, sometimes you just fly off the handle, and we all get it. So, but I, well, I could have really flown off the handle. Donald Trump is a goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this time though, something different happened. Where, by the way, by the are way, are you to talk about my face? <laughs> what just happened was really just so great. I acted as though I was really gonna say <laughs> the c word. And uh, Brittany looked at me with alarm, like, no, <laughs> like anger and alarm, like, no, God, don't do it. And then I came out with the old deer, the goat. <laughs> it is a deer. It's not a goat. Whatever. Okay. Earlier when I searched YouTube for it, I typed in Mariah Carey goat. Yeah. And shockingly enough, there's a lot of videos. <laughs> That contain both Mariah Carey and Goat. So let's get back to this. So unlike last time yeah. when Donald Trump attacked Megyn Kelly, Fox News was silent. The, Fo- the, the Fox News characters were completely silent. Except for Donald Trump tweeting and saying he had a conversation with Roger Ailes. And then, oh, he, he really respects me. He's a nice guy. He He backed me up. Oh, and by the way, Roger Ailes, for those of you who don't know, he's like the chief, chief executive He's the, the the brains, if you will, behind the operation. So this time, Fox News was not silent. Yeah, well, he, here's the deal. And I want to talk about this because I think it's very interesting and awesome that the the litany of responses in opposition to Donald Trump were started because of a brave woman, because of Janice Dean. She was the first one to call him to the carpet. And then these supposedly principled people, these men, sh- then they came around and had the bravery to, s- to stand up and tweet against this presidential candidate, Brittany. So I, I, that is what I think happened, is that Janice Dean started it, because mm. she had the earliest post that I saw. So she said, first of all, Megyn Kelly is my friend. She is godmother to my little boy, Theodore, and part of our family. She is the hardest working mother and strongest woman I have ever met. So if there's anyone that can take the heat from a powerful billionaire that's running for president, it's her. However, this behavior from Donald Trump is not acceptable or presidential. More women have to stand up to defend her. The silence is deafening. It needs to stop now. There, and that was 
wasn't a tweet, though. Where was that? Facebook? That's a Facebook post. Okay, okay. And soon after that, just a litany followed. Dana Perino, the intelligence class and grace of Megyn Kelly shine last night after her week's vacation with her family. I'll be on the Kelly file to talk about it. A little self-promotion. Well, uh, and Dana Perino, former press secretary for George W. Bush. Right. Brian Kilimede, who's usually a turd, said, I like <laughs> I like Donald Trump, but his personal and professional attacks on Megyn Kelly are unwarranted and unacceptable. Has to stop now. Brett Baer, who was her co-moderator at the debate. That's right. It's been 19 days since the debate. Donald Trump has made his feelings clear, but this needs to stop. Uh, Sean Hannity even said something called well, Donald Trump. Let me, let me get, uh, yes, of course. He did the same thing. That Brian Kilmeade did, where he s's his d a little bit. Oh, we're such we're friends, we're good friends. Uh. But here's the most important one, which is the statement that no, Roger. No, no, no. You got to get to the Bill Hammer one. That was my favorite one. Bill Hammer said, "Easy, Mr. Trump." <laughs> it, it, it's my favorite one because it's it's not even like, oh, he's my friend. I really respect him. It's hey, but yeah, take it easy on Megan. He's just like easy guy. Come on. So the most important statement, I think, that was made was by Roger Ailes. Yes. And yes, he actually released a statement here. Good, good. He said, Megyn Kelly represents the very best of American journalism, and all of us at Fox News Channel reject the crude and irresponsible attempts to suggest otherwise. I could not be more proud of Megyn for her professionalism and class in the face of all of Mr. Trump's verbal assaults. Her questioning of Mr. Trump at the debate was tough but fair, and I fully support her as she continues to ask the probing and challenging questions that all presidential candidates may find difficult to answer. Donald Trump rarely apologizes, although in this case he should. We have never been deterred by politicians or anyone else attacking us for doing our job, much less allowed ourselves to be bullied by anyone, and we're certainly not going to start now. All of our journalists will continue to report in the fair and balanced way that has made Fox News Channel the number one news network in the industry. Little little self-promotion. Right, but I also, I mean... He's, it, he's standing by his employee. I think it's beautiful. Right. It's just insane. I mean, Megyn Kelly is a former Washington litigator. She graduated from Syracuse University. Right. You're calling her a bimbo. It's it's disgusting. She goes head to head with some of the most intellectual people on her show in these debates. And that's that's easy for people to sit back and judge. But when you actually try to do something like that, it's really difficult. And you need to be intelligent. Listen, it's tough enough when I interview a blogger. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. I can't imagine on a nightly basis going head to head with heads of state and ambassadors and people in the news. I mean, it's it's a she's legit. Listen, I may not agree with her all the time, and I think she's become far more partisan since she got her new time slot. But she's not a bimbo and she's not stupid by any means. The reason he's calling her a bimbo is because she challenged him and he's a man and he's a billionaire and his ego, as giant as it is, is too fragile to accept that kind of challenge. Well, 538 and this is goddamn, you know what? Listen, if you guys over at 538, this goes right out to you, Nate Silver. Want to do a partnership with us? Yeah, if you're looking for somebody to just be around and S everybody's D and tell you how great you are all the time, Jesse Dollimore is available because I love what you guys are doing over there. I am too. I, I listen to all their podcasts. And well, I'm, I don't go that far. I'm That's... always I'm on I'm on their website every day. Well, Nate Silver, he wrote an article talking about the Trump and his 
perpetual attention machine that he's running over there. Which we're feeding into. Well, yeah, I guess so. But it's, one, it's entertaining and people want to hear about it. But two, we need to get the word out that this guy is a worthless, steaming dunghill that no one should be taking seriously. Well, and I know that maybe our listeners are wondering who is taking him seriously. And, you know, a poll was just released in New Hampshire. He's ahead in New Hampshire at like 30%. Right. And I know it's still early, but, you know, whenever Jesse posts something on Facebook, he always gets all these people arguing for Donald Trump. Right. And eventually, I mean, something has to get through to these people, right? I mean, he's, he's... I would hope so. He's tweeting about Megyn Kelly being a bimbo and saying she looks like Nancy Grace and, and all these things. I mean, that's not how a president acts. What if Barack Obama did that? Right. What would Sean Hannity say? I mean, oh his head would God. probably explode right. from excitement it getting to w- report on it. It certainly wouldn't be, oh, well, you know, Bri- listen, well, he just has an opinion. He's just... Bleh. It would it would be the end of the wor- Sean's Hannity's world. Sean, It would be the end of Sean Hannity's world. Because, you know, he can't use the word literally right, and he gets upset about stuff. So Nate Silver wrote an article. He outlined Donald Trump's six stages of doom, the hurdles he'll have to clear to win the Republican nomination. The first obstacle, could Trump keep his polling numbers up when another storyline emerged that prevented him from monopolizing the news cycle? For a variety of reasons, Trump isn't affected much by negative media coverage. It may even help him, Nate Silver wrote, but a lack of media coverage might be a different story. It's too soon to say whether Trump has passed the first test, partly because it's August, almost half of the year before Iowa and New Hampshire, and way too early to read much into the polls, but also because the Trump show hasn't stopped. He's dominating coverage as much as ever. I wonder if he's smart enough, and he probably is smart enough to be doing this purposefully. You know? Well, that's what people have said, that actually he's in the... This is kind of a conspiracy theory, like Alex Jones style, but people are saying that he's in the race just so he can let Hillary be in the lead and kind of throw things off to get Hillary to get the nomination. Well, it's not working because she is self-destructing as we speak. So I don't don't buy into... Obviously, I don't buy into conspiracy theory, but it, it is perplexing why he's here and what in the hell he's doing. So Nate Silver says there's one anomaly, though, which is the week of August 2nd. That was the first... That was the week of the first Republican debate in Cleveland. That week, Trump received a comparatively low share of Google search traffic, only 41%. People weren't any less interested in Trump after the debate, but they were more interested than usual in some of the other Republican candidates, especially Ben Carson, Carly Fiorina, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, and John Kasich, each of whom had among their best weeks of the year from search traffic standpoint. Wow. So when these other names are in the mix, they're getting more attention. Right, right. In terms of Google traffic. But it makes sense that people like Carly Fiorina, John Kasich, Ted Cruz, I guess even, those are less notable names. So when they were on the stage, people were probably Googling because they hadn't ever seen them, haven't ever heard of them, and wanted to know more about them. But it's weird that people would be Googling Trump then because it seems like (laughs) everyone knows him. Right, right. Well, he's got name recognition unlike anyone else. He's got more name recognition than... I mean, and I I don't understand it, but more than Hillary Clinton, more than Jeb Bush, more than nationally known figures. You know what I mean? 
because we live in a weird, narcissistic, celebrity-obsessed culture, which I was hoping you would take the lead on and start talking about Dr. Drew's book, The Mirror Effect. I just started listening when you said that you were hoping I would take the lead (laughs) and um, start talking about Dr. Drew's book. Wow. The Mirror Effect... The Mirror Effect is a great book, yes, and it has to do with your point that you made previous to that sentence. Which would be what? What? (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. We Listen, we're not going to talk about the Virginia shooting. Um, I'm going to wait until... I'm going to decide whether we're going to cover it. I don't know. I guess we just mentioned it, so... Uh, it's not something that's going to go unnoticed, but. And of course, the Virginia shooting was the the two news people. One was a cameraman and one was a reporter that were uh, shot and killed on air. Today, and I'm I'm conflicted. I, I don't know exactly why I'm so conflicted about covering it, but um, God damn, it, it is something that happens way, way too much. So. Let's give it a couple days. Let's find out what we can find out. And then we will try to come with some kind of analysis rather than just knee-jerk talking about it. Uh, Does that sound rational? Yes. And that was rhetorical for the audience, too. So we'll see. Anyway, we're going to leave you, but we're going to leave you with something positive today. This is another video Brittany brought to me that I think is... Awesome. And the story behind the video, I think, is worth a conversation. A three-year-old Massachusetts boy has already learned an important lesson in gratitude, and the way he learned it will leave you laughing. Henry, three, was preparing for his third birthday party earlier this month when his uncle and mom realized they needed to help him understand how to graciously accept his birthday presents. (laughs) Quote, we wanted to make sure that he was being sensitive of other people's feelings because we know people really put a lot of thought into gifts. He's really honest. He's a really honest kid, so I was worried he'd flat out say, oh, I already have this. We were trying to teach him that when you get a present from a friend or family member, you have to say thank you and be excited because it's polite. In order to teach him how to pretend to love his gifts, no matter what he unwrapped, the siblings gathered household items like an oven mitt, a Keurig K-cup, and an avocado, wrapped them in wrapping paper, (laughs) and gave them to him as gifts. Wow. It's so great. So when when he opens the gift... His family said, we just kind of put the presents in front of him and he gave a genuine reaction. We left it all up to him. And this is what happened. The avocado. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. It's, but the, the conversation that I think needs to be had is, this is, I think, a good thing. I mean, at, at first glance, I thought that well, they're he's sure they're teaching their kid to lie or to be deceptive or dishonest to other people. But I really think that there is something to be said for gratitude. And this is an awesome and unusual way to teach a child about gratitude. That you're affecting how someone else because it's not necessarily the gift that you're thanking them for, it's the the amount of time. 
and the thoughtfulness that they've displayed by getting you a gift, whether it be a Keurig cup, <laughs> a coffee cup, or or an oven mitt, or you know, a, a, a... avocado. <laughs> So apparently his only hesitation was the K-cup because he wasn't sure what it was. His family said, it's coffee, Henry. And he said, oh, it's coffee. Well, also, what a smart guy. He's learning super quickly. I think it's awesome. I I do. I think it's uh, I think they're very good parents. They're raising a wonderful, decent human being. And everyone should be proud and aspire to do the same thing. For the record, that is how I act when I get avocados at the grocery (laughs) store. You do. You are a fan of the avocado. Yep. They're currently on sale. Three for five dollars. Jumbo avocados at Sprouts. And yes, I spent a lot of money on that. And they are jumbo avocados. All right. With that, we are going to leave you. We love you. We appreciate you. If you would like to support the show other than listening twice a week, you can go to dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the page, there's an Amazon search bar through which you can get to Amazon to buy some products. Every little purchase you make goes a long way towards supporting your favorite show filled with news news, and ridiculous comment. There's also patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We are loving our Patreon supporters. Thank you very much. So again, we love you. We appreciate you. And until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.